0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction, the only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian-scientist come together to discuss science,
1: comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction's Patreon 135. I call BS... I know it's I like call BS because I am physically restrained in my chair.
0: As soon as I sat down to record, uh, Bobby hit uh, s- uh, something on his remote on his remote control, uh-huh. and uh, uh, I got that chains, Matt Lauer or, like,
1: button that you know yeah. like he had. <laughs>
0: that, <laughs> now my wrists and ankles are bound to the chair via uh, uh, something that was built into my chair. Kudos to you for getting into my house and installing those.
1: Yeah, Well, do you sleep pretty deeply? Uh, this, of course, is I call BS. This <laughs> game where I read four science news articles. Uh, so which are true, so which are BS, setting for bad science. They can all be true, all be false, or any combination of thereof in between because they're all independent variables. Pretty basic game show rules. Uh, tie goes to the scientist who's not here today, so that's good for Damien. Uh, let's see what else. Just the normal stuff. No Happy Days references. Scientist not here and <laughs> because
0: you've been keeping. Keeping them from me? That, or you just come into my sh- my cell to record these episodes, and they never see the light of day. This is just done to torture me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, and thank you guys for go ahead and uh, participating in our whole Patreon thing. By the way, let us know if you like this or the lightning round. We got uh, kind of uh, a lot of uh, excitement about the lightning round when we brought it back, but then we started getting people being like, "Hey, you're really." You letting Damian go without paying his dues on this one. He's Ugh. he's doing Ugh. that thing again where it seems like he should win one game before you guys move on to another game. So like maybe I don't know, yeah. Put, do yeah, do yeah, our fans run.
0: want a piece? Do I need to do
1: our our fans starting shit with me personally? <laughs> Is that what I'm getting? We get, we like the lightning round. That's great, but like you know, <laughs> let's wait. Let's let do things in order. Let's finish what we start before we jump on to a new thing. So anyway, let us know what you think, and we'll uh, we'll take that into account. Maybe we'll even do bring back some other uh, old games that we used to play. every once in a while for our Patreon. You know, this shows for you guys. Uh,
0: also, if you want to suggest a, uh, uh, somebody that perhaps could be summoned from the depths of the underworld, because that's right, scientist heaven is actually in hell.
1: But it's like a really cool price. Mm. It's it's
0: just like for legal reasons, just real estate's cheaper in hell.
1: Yeah. And they're all, none of them are young earth creationists. And that's one of the barriers yeah. to entry to heaven.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's the furthest place from the Mormons
1: and their yeah. planets who yeah. oddly enough are in the stars. <laughs> waste. It's a waste. All right. Let's move right on to I call BS. I
0: call. I call. I call. I call. I call. Ring, ring.
1: I call BS. Article number one, archaeologists have announced the discovery of the world's largest prehistoric stone phallus ever documented with a recent 200,000-year-old find in Saudi Arabia. Damien, is this science or bad science? Uh, Aside from
0: the fact that this uh, points to the fact that Saudi Arabia at one point was cool, (laughs) uh, I'm going to say that this is bad science. I refuse to believe that humanity, with all of our horniness, only had a dick as early as 4,000 years ago and in Saudi Arabia. I would think that's
1: something that we did in Africa. I said 200,000 years ago, but fair enough. But, uh, but Africa, fine. Fine. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Damian, this one is bad science, but they did find the world's largest hand axe there, a basalt hand axe measuring 51 centimeters by nine and a half by five and a half centimeters in northwestern Saudi Arabia. Now, hand axes are a really old technology that go back like well over a million years. It was really successful for use in uh, by Homo erectus and possibly even by earlier species. We're not 100% sure, but they brought that with them around the world. And these are large stone axes, kind of like what you would hear in except they're not hafted, so hence hand axe, you're holding it and you're using it. There's some debate as to how these were used. Obviously they were used sharpened and used as, you know, blade cutting implements. But also one of the things is if you have a good piece of stone that you're carrying around You can knock flakes off of it and then use those sharpened flakes to do things as well. So not only are you carrying around this thing that's large and you can cut things with, but if you have to do finer work or cut things that you need something really sharp for, you can actually just knock a little blade off of it. It's like carrying around a big old Swiss Army knife or a big old axe that you can just knock a little razor blade off of. So these are really useful. They're found out the old world for like a million years and in this case they found one that was gigantic now normally these are about the size that will fit in your hand but this one at 50 centimeters which is about 20 inches is huge. And you could imagine this being very burdensome to carry around. Now, the 200,000 year old date is what they estimated it as, but that should be taken very tentatively. That wasn't uh, associated with any radiocarbon dates or anything like that, or even, you know, taxonomic uh, examination of animals around the site or anything. It was really just done by the morphology of the hand axe itself. So basically saying the types of hand axes we see here are most commonly found at other sites that have been associated at about 200,000 years old. So that is somewhat tentative. That's not in any way definitive, but it's the best thing we have so far. This was actually just discovered. This was discovered at the very end of the archaeology season there in Saudi Arabia, which ends in December. So it was just discovered. They're just reporting they on it. they hunt
0: archaeologists?
1: Yes. <laughs> where mummies are allowed to hunt archaeologists? Uh dear. And what's interesting is, if they are right about that date at 200,000 years, especially in Saudi Arabia, in that place, where we know Homo sapiens, modern Homo sapiens, did migrate out that earlier, around that early at least, uh, they were a dead end, we think, a genetic dead end that went out and didn't didn't do much, uh, though we did reveal recently that we think they did breed into some Neanderthal populations. What is interesting is, at 200,000 years old, we don't know what species this would be, right? We, we don't know what associated hominid actually made that. Was it Homo sapien? Was it a Homo heidelbergensis, which, is, again, is our precursor species? Was a remnant Homo erectus, which might have still been running around at that time? Was it a Neanderthal? You know, like, what is it exactly that made this 200,000 years ago, if it is 200,000 years old in Saudi Arabia. And because of the location, Saudi Arabia and the date, it's really kind of like this, this crossroads that could be a lot of different species, probably some that we didn't even we still don't know exist that were running around at that time. So really, really interesting. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm interested to see follow up reports on the dating on this. Let's see if they can get some maybe probably not optical luminescence, because it wasn't buried, it was on the surface. But maybe if they find other site components or some organic compounds or, or, or even some you know animal taxa or something like that, we might be able to get more definitive dates, and I'd be interested to see what, what happens at that point. Uh, I have a,
0: a question from one academic to another. You mentioned that this axe was at 1.20 inches and uh, would have been cumbersome to carry. 20 inches, yeah. Uh, yes, uh, what are the odds that there was some sort of uh, prehistoric Paul bunyan as character who oh. wielded that mighty hand axe with ease, and had a bunch of legends and tall tales about them, which were
1: lost to time. Yes, it was Saudi Arabian Paul Bunyan, uh, who is more curt than North American Paul Bunyan. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you're thinking—a
0: big blue camel. No, because that was not a desert at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. it was, it was, it was
1: a yak. It was still something like that. Yeah, and water buffalo. <laughs> Article number two. For the first time ever, a mammal has been found to breed exclusively through non-penetrative sex. Damien, I mean, is this a science or bad science? I'm trying to think of like a species that like gets off in the corner
0: while like its wife makes it with a younger, more fit male.
1: But that that
0: that male would have to be of that species. Well, well, the other well, then the uh, then I guess that other male would have to spit this anyhow. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, you're right. Um. I'm going to say that this is science because why would this be a question otherwise i'm 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 playing the test taker, okay, uh, just as last question, you thought you could throw me off by mentioning the word dildo.
1: Yes, I'm in your head now, and I'm saying that this is science by the way, in reference to the last uh, question, we do actually find a ton of like stone phalluses all the time in the archaeological record, and they always have to like write them down as like. This is like a ceremonial object. It's like maybe, or maybe it's exactly what it is nowadays. Well, they're giving a lot of credence to the ceremony
0: of masturbation. I think yeah. maybe maybe who's to say that these archaeologists don't conduct their
1: own little rituals uh, <laughs> when. They beat their meat. Oh, I definitely do. Uh, So this one is science. And this is from the serotine bat. And this story has some really interesting parts to it. So the first interesting part is you might be wondering how in 2023 we could still be learning about the basics, like the very, very basics of the mating process for well-known animals. These are not some far-flung thing we just discovered in the jungles of New Guinea. These are all over northern Europe. And how in the and they live really close to humans and stuff. How could we still be learning about the basics of of these like really common, well known animals? So this bat comes on a toilet seat, and then another bat comes in behind them. It's actually <laughs> more interesting than that. So if they use a the hot tub. So uh, so uh, so the answer is they mate facing like like they cling to something like usually a wall or something, and they mate face like kind of clinging to it and we can't really see them. We can see the process of the mating, but we can't see exactly what's going on. And so these researchers were like, well, we need to figure out what's going on with this bat's dick. And so they hooked up all of these really high definition cameras in very specific places over a long period of time, many, many years in places in the Ukraine and the Netherlands, in like the steeples of churches and stuff where these bats live. And they got these setups and they eventually saw what was going on and that they were not not having penetrative sex, we'll get into exactly what's going on in a second. But what's even more interesting is why they were why just noticing the re- how unsatisfied all these uh, female bats were. <laughs> well, you're about to hear something. So, you're, what's interesting is why the researchers were interested in the first place. So interested that they had to like set up all these like bat fucking cam shows to figure out what was happening. Because it turns out the serotine bat has an absolutely massive unit. So the bat's penis. Eng- <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> the bat's penis engorges itself to one quarter of the entire length of its body, a shocking 14 millimeters in length. And the female's vagina is only two millimeters deep. So researchers knew that something weird was going on, but they couldn't quite figure out exactly what because they needed to set up the right camera equipment in the right place to, like, to get the only fans for these fucking bats, right?
0: <laughs> it's like one bat found a genie and made a wish
1: and then, like, forever like changed the species. Right? But then it ended up screwing them because they can't actually have sex. So here's a quote from the article, from the article published in Current Biology. Instead of inserting its penis into the vagina, the male uses it to move aside a membrane covering the female's genitals and then presses the penis against the female's vulva and holds it there, often for just under an hour. But in one observation, the behavior lasted more than 12 hours. After the deed was done... Guys, the the sting of bats... (laughs) Once the deed was done, the fur around the female's vulva appeared wet, which the researchers suspect is due to semen, end quote. So basically, it's just kind of rubbing on the surface and then ejaculating. So this, after passing the taste test, researchers confirmed. This bat has like lived every 13-year-old human boy's fantasy of having like a ridiculously massive penis, but it's come back to haunt him. So circling back to your genie thing, he did the thing where he made the genie wish that he thought would make him happy, and now this bat can never bang again. That's yeah. You,
0: you you if you could go back in time and tell that bat always get the genie lawyer. Always yeah. get the genie always, lawyer. First that's wish. the first
1: wish. I want a, a qualified genie lawyer looking out for my best interest. That is my first wish. I don't care if, the, if someone's going to tell me that's wasting one of my wishes. No, it's not. It's ensuring the last two wishes.
0: And 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 let's just say you you like that's the trick. You you only
1: get one wish, and that's your wish.
0: Oh well, I guess I have a, a, a genie legal assistant for the rest
1: of my life. Yeah. Yeah, anybody who is their own genie lawyer has a fool for a client. (laughs) (laughs) And while some birds mate in a similar fashion, this is an all-time first for any mammal. And part of me certainly feels like sorry for the bat that can't get laid. But at least, you know, he could say it's because it didn't fit. Which, I mean, if you're not going to get laid, at least that's, that's a good reason to not get laid.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like if, if all of his bad friends are like, they've never like told a story about like intercourse actually happened. It's like, oh yeah, did you, did you have Mormon sex with your bat girl last night? Oh yeah, I did, bro. We soaked. Well, we didn't even
1: soak. but Yeah, they, they wish they could soak. <laughs> yeah. On to article number three. Research into particulate matter pollution in the U.S. shows that between 1999 and 2007, particulate matter from coal power plants caused almost 4,000 deaths per year in the U.S. Damien, is this science or bad science? That is bad science, unless
0: you are reading an article that was published by the coal lobby's scientists, because I know for a fact that this podcast, if there's numbers involved... The numbers uh-huh. can be wrong but it, there's a factor of 10 rule. Is that true? Yes. Okay. 4,000 seems incredibly low. For okay. This highly toxic fuel. Uh, so, um like uh, I know Bobby's uh Bobby not, a proud math mouthpiece for Senator Mansion.
1: Uh-huh. uh On yep, this podcast. <laughs>
0: uh, bad science Bobby, I'm standing up to you. I'm standing up
1: to Senator Mansion and the powerful coal lobbies. Uh, this one is bad science, Damien, and it, you are exactly right. It is by a factor of 10 rule. Now this actually did shock me because these numbers are, are absolutely shocking. Th- these just blow my mind. This new research out of uh, Harvard uh, out of Harvard shows that coal power plants between 1999 and 2007 killed 43,000 people per year. That is fucking crazy. By the way, this isn't mining coal. This isn't like accidents of coal train cars. This isn't, you know, people getting caught in the fucking coal turbine thing. This is literally just particulate matter. This
0: isn't people dying in yeah, no.
1: charcoal accidents. <laughs> no, this isn't kids who get disappointed with their bad Christmas stocking presents and then die <laughs> from shock. This is just particulate matter in the air around these particular coal plants. Published in the uh, by the Harvard School of Public Health, the good news is that it dropped drastically a- after that, after around 2007, to around 1,600 per year due to the installation of uh, scrubbers on the, the smokestacks and the shutdown of coal plants. I want you to think about that for a second. In a very short time, we went from 43,000 people per year, fucking Vietnam, every year dying because of coal particulate matter to less than 1600 and continuing to going down now. uh, And by now, I mean, the most recent data is near 2020. Those emissions are down 95% from the previous numbers. That is fucking crazy.
0: I hear your sarcasm, Bobby, but what were we supposed to do? Eliminate one of the shittiest jobs (laughs) in the history of humanity (laughs) for leap forwards in
1: technology that are readily available So, how was this research done? Here's a quote from the article. Using emissions data from 480 coal plants in the U.S. between 1999 and 2020, the researchers modeled where wind carried coal sulfur dioxide through the week after it was emitted and how atmospheric processes converted that sulfur dioxide into PM2.5. This model produced an annual coal PM2.5 exposure field for each power plant. They then examined individual level Medicare records from 1999 to 2016, representing the health stat. Of Americans aged 65 and older, and representing a total of more than 650 million person years. By linking the exposure fields to the Medicare records, inclusive of where enrollees lived and when they died, the researchers were able to understand individuals' exposure to coal PM2.5 and calculate the impact it had on their health. End quote. So, this is terrifying and enraging that we were doing that for so long, but it should also be encouraging because, again, by 2020, those annual deaths from those coal plants had dropped 95%. And it's kind of like how, you know, we have cars now and there's more cars than ever, but if you look at pictures of LA in the 70s, it was way smoggier because they didn't have catalytic converters. And that one invention helped clean the air in ways we can't even imagine because it was so, so, so much fucking worse back then. And it drastically improved air quality. The same is true of this. Now, Personally, this really wouldn't affect you and I, Damian. There weren't a lot of coal plants uh, in our neck of the woods at any point, any given time. However, for huge portions of the country, this is a big difference. And that even amplifies those 43,000 deaths more, because they aren't even 43,000 deaths in the U.S. total, because the U.S. total doesn't have coal plants. They're only in select portions, and that really focuses that damage. That means that you probably had people, if you live in areas where coal was, there were probably people who died, and you just knew that they died of cardiovascular failure or or heart failure or something, you didn't know the exact cause, but they died of the particulate matter emitted from coal plants around you in your lifetime, and they're no longer dying. And that is fucking progress. And that is awesome because so often we think of environmental quality and air quality and, and pollution and stuff is consistently getting worse and worse and worse. And a lot of times that's true, plastics, a lot of other things, but sometimes things get much, much better. And this is one of those things. It's a part of the country where people
0: regularly die because they've lost all their teeth. And without at least one tooth, they have no
1: ability to open the can uh, (laughs) of SpaghettiOs. (laughs) Oh, dear. And lastly, article number four. New research suggests that reducing brain cholesterol can reduce Alzheimer's symptoms. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is
0: absolutely science. We've talked about plaques. We've talked about cholesterol. We've talked about poop. All of that stuff makes an effect on your ability to uh, remember your name late in life. The only thing that might throw off this thing is that if you have the like the type of high cholesterol that might place you in a rascal scooter, you may not live to uh, the uh, dementia ages. Like outside of Walmart obesity, though, um,
1: I'm going to have to say this is science. All right, Damien. Now you had already had three right. Let's see. There's a drum roll, please. This one is science! And I think my internet's going out right now. Oh, no. Uh, the, the I internet. mean, the show goes on whether your internet goes out. It's kind of irrelevant to the whole point. Meaning that Damien absolutely, totally Ace this one, knocking out of the park, getting four right answers, and would have actually won had he not broken the rule we had covered just (laughs) before about Happy Days references. Don't think I didn't... (laughs) Okay, hold on, give me a second. (laughs) Don't don't think that I didn't catch your reference to the now famous Happy Days episode where Richie asks a genie for a bigger penis and ends up... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and ends up getting cursed only to be rescued by the Fonz who has to fight the genie in the parking lot next to his motorcycle.
0: <laughs> that show really jumped the genie, really fought the genie. I
1: mean, it's, a, it's a
0: simple rule, Dave. At, at least you're being honest now. Thank it's you, a, It's a simple rule. <laughs> it's a simple Oh dear! <laughs> At least finally, you made a Happy Days reference that everybody
1: can get. <laughs> At least finally. So this one, it, this one is science. It's not the kind of cholesterol you eat. This is a type uh, that forms in your brain because of Alzheimer's. So this research was published in the journal Neuron, and in this test, researchers cleared out that cholesterol from the brains of mice with Alzheimer's and showed an improvement in the cognitive symptoms of the disease. Here's a quote from the article. Alzheimer's-like tau deposits in the brain lead to the accumulation of a form of cholesterol known as cholesterol esters, and that lowering cholesterol esters levels helps prevent brain damage and behavioral changes, end quote. Now, this does not mean that these particular cholesterol esters are the only thing causing Alzheimer's symptoms. It doesn't even mean, by the way, that this research is going to translate over to human Alzheimer's models, but this is where they do the gene knockouts, and they give a bunch of mice Alzheimer's symptoms, and they watch them develop, and then they go through, and they, they in this case, they actually remove those cholesterol esters, and then they see that the symptoms of Alzheimer's for the mice, which can include you know not being able to make mu- nests and doing all this stuff normal mice do, they tend to recede or go away completely to, in some in some cases, the reason I want I thought this was so interesting, and I wanted to to bring this up, is because we talked about how you know less than I don't know a year or two ago, we basically overturned a huge cornerstone of scientific Alzheimer's research that was done in the mid two thousands. That was a what we now realize is a fraudulent paper, not a mistake. It was actually fraud that was perpetrated that led Alzheimer's research in a particular direction for the past, you know, close to 20 years. And that means that, especially now that we think that that might have been the wrong direction, like we might have been kind of chasing our own tail down, maybe not even wrong is the wrong word, maybe it's, you know, just not as productive as other directions could have been. And that every one of these new papers that come out that goes, actually, this other part of uh, Alzheimer's, this might be the key to it, or doing this might help. Every time we figure those out, we are getting one more piece of the puzzle that we have not been able to put together for the last decade and a half because of this fraudulent paper. And this is the rebound effect. Science is self-correcting, but sometimes it takes a while, as it did in this case. And this is the second part of that self-correction, which is you realize you've done something wrong. And you start going back to the beginning and figuring out what the right path is. And that is what is going on right now. It's a really exciting time in Alzheimer's research for that reason. And by the way, the links between these brain cholesterols and Alzheimer's is not as like kind of far out as it might seem. Here's another quote from the article. The biggest genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's is APOE, a gene involved in activating the brain's immune cells. When such cells are activated in the wrong way or at the wrong time, they can damage brain tissue. But APOE also has another important job in the body. It carries cholesterol and other lipids around in the blood. In this capacity, it plays a role in arthrosclerosis end quote. So Alzheimer's is likely a very complicated disease. There's some ideas that there might be some autoimmune aspects. Again, your brain's immune system is attacking the wrong parts of your brain, and then it's causing some tau proteins, and then maybe these cholesterols as well. And so maybe just wiping out the cholesterols doesn't actually fix the problem, and they keep accumulating because the inherent problem is, you know, the immune process of your body attacking your own brain, in which case the root cause isn't going to be wiping out these cholesterols. That's just going to be a treatment, and we really want to get the you know immune system tamed down. We don't know yet, but the important thing is we are at an exciting time because we have been able to reset and restart, and I think that the future of Alzheimer's research is that in 10 years, we will have pretty good answers as to at least what's going on, if not a pretty good idea of how to stop it. So really, really interesting, very, very cool research, and Damien. Close, close. you're so close on this one, like, ooh, ooh, like an inch away. Oh,
0: so close. My sister was over the other day, and I, uh, and I made a joke. Uh, I made the uh, thinner Stephen King joke about like, oh, yeah. I hit a gypsy with my car, and like, uh, and she said, "You have to stop making that reference. Nobody has seen that movie. <laughs> Nobody gets that reference." And I like wanted to explain to her, but like, you, 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 and your happy days have made me realize she's right. I'm, I'm, (laughs) it has put it all in perspective for me.
1: Oh, dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction's Patreon 135, where you learned all about the discovery of the largest prehistoric stone hand axe ever discovered in Saudi Arabia. How we've discovered the first ever mammal to breed exclusively through non-penetrative sex. How particulate matter pollution from coal plants killed 43,000 people per year in the U.S. between 1999 and 2007. And how cholesterol in your brain could be causing Alzheimer's symptoms. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 685. Let me just leave a note for Mr. C. Mr. C. Had to
0: go beat up a genie. If the Figarelli twins stop by, I'd tell him, Hey! Sorry, I gave him herpes. You've been listening to
1: Science Function. Wait, that's not right.